Hello and welcome to episode 53 of the Doc and Son Podcast, which is hosted by yours truly, my dad, Dr. Joaquin Barbara, a.k.a. Dad the Doc. And me, his son, Santiago Barbara, a.k.a. The Son. Thank you all for tuning in, and uh, this week we have on, I think this is like our 16th or 17th official guest on the podcast. You think so, Dad? I mean, I don't keep track. You're the guy that keeps track. You know something? You're right. I am the one who keeps tracks. But it probably doesn't make any difference, the numbers. So here with us today is Uh, Mike. Would you like to introduce yourself to the people? Uh, My name is Mike Perez. 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 Welcome to the show, Mike Perez. Thank you. And uh, let me just say, wait, you're American, right? Well, my father is Cuban. Mm -hmm. Uh, My mother is of Irish descent, so I'm... uh, Hybrid. Cool. We Irish, are. Irish Cuban. Yep. We all are. And also we have uh, somebody else's here. Well, something, whatever. It's Duke. Duke the dog again. He returns and he's quite energetic. This is about to turn into the dog and son and dog podcast, but that's okay. Uh, so, Mike, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, we've never met. You're a friend from... Uh, nope, apparently me, he knows me, and I know him. Yep. Because uh, we are regulars at Hole in the Wall. That's what I'm told. That's the truth, and uh, I'm a quality assurance auditor at the University of Miami. Um, I've worked with animals most of my life, since about 1983. I started as a volunteer at the Miami Museum of Science, uh, cleaning cages and feeding animals. We had a hospital for wildlife, and that kind of started my interest in working with animals. Um, And I I ended up working there for 23 years, actually. I became the director of the Department of Environmental Sciences and went on afterwards to work for Parrot Jungle as assistant curator when it was the original parrot jungle? No. Uh, after it moved after. to uh, Watson Island, Jungle Island, it was renamed after. eventually. While I was working there, it was... After Andrew came and ran over us? Well, the, 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 the change in location was more due to the um, evening events that uh, the owner, Dr. Levine, wanted to throw. Uh, the Pinecrest neighbors did not want to have nighttime events near their house. So he worked a deal out with the city to relocate in an area that didn't have neighbors so he could have as many nighttime events as he wished. So, But I only worked there a short while. I became curator of all the animals there. Um, from there, I was offered a position at uh, Zoo Miami. And uh, I worked in the education department uh, for uh, and I was also the children's zoo manager, so I supervised the barn and all the contact animals for the kids, and we had programs and plays and all types of uh, educational uh, materials for, for kids, and I did that for eight years. Um, my boss that, that had hired me at the zoo, um, she went on to work for the University of Miami, and when she found that I wasn't working at the zoo anymore, she asked that I come and join her at the University of Miami. And there you have my my up-to-date. Uh, cool. So what is a curator? What is the, the job description of a curator? Because I'm not very clear on what that is. Well, it, it, I probably don't have the exact definition down uh, pat, but um, it, it's basically uh, a, a lot of museums have curator positions, you know, you could work in an art museum and be the curator of, you know... So you basically kind of decide what the collection should look like, and if you have holes in your collection, you try to get them filled through acquisitions or transfers or something like that? Very, very good. And uh, yes, that was part of my, uh, my job description, was to have a collection plan, create a collection plan, and working, well, at the zoo it's the most complicated because um, we have to work with uh, SSP, which is a species survival program, and they make recommendations on which animals should breed for the best uh, outcomes for the future of that species. So sometimes you were asked by the SSP 
to take this particular animal for breeding or ask to transfer an animal that you had just to, again, uh, make the species the most viable possible. So uh, that was definitely part of, of the curator positions. So. And now at UM, um, what do you do? UM um, is a big departure, but I still technically work with animals. So the university has three committees that I participate in, and the most important, and the one that I was hired for, is the uh, Animal Care and Use Committee. So any animal that's used in research, uh, wildlife studies, uh, we have a marine school teaching. Um, they have to submit a protocol requesting the use of the animals. We review the protocol and approve it. And we also do monitoring after it's been approved to make sure they're following what they said they were going to do. So it's like part of the IRB, but for the animals? Correct, IRB. So you, you have some familiarity, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, we also work with the Institutional Biosafety Committee. Okay. So we work with anyone who uses recombinant DNA at the university, and we review and approve those protocols. Hopefully we're not doing gain-of-function research <laughs> at the University of Miami. But. No, there's a lot of scary things, but, you know, the university um, has only biosafety level two facilities, so, you know, even though there is some danger, it's, it's actually not as bad as a level four facilities. Cool. Um, do you, were you involved with um, a lot of develop, developing the educational programs in the zoo, trying to promote conservation, things like that? Yeah, uh, definitely a part of that. You know, we, we, we had many roles, you know, um, I mean, we had a whole conservation department that was run by Dr. Ridgely. Um, and he, he did the majority of the conservation efforts, but as part of the education team, yeah, we, we did programming and uh, created um, things to promote conservation. And, and how, how are we doing in Florida with conservation uh, on a one to 10 scale? Well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not uh, very involved in the subject, so. I guess from like the outside, it doesn't look like we're doing terribly bad. I guess we could always be doing better. Yeah, that's that's a tricky one, and and and, and a very broad kind of statement would be would would probably not be fair. I'm sure there's areas that we are strong in. Uh, I definitely know there's areas that need improvement. Um, an example of a um, a positive. Um, thing would be like the Everglades restoration projects and uh, they're finally coming into fruition and we're starting to see some benefits and uh, water flow, you know, re recreating the natural water flow from uh, Lake Okeechobee into um, Florida Bay areas. So uh, that's, that's definitely a positive. Uh, on the negative side, uh, if you talk about the um, proliferation and spreading of uh, exotic species and invasive species that can um, that can be said that we have not done very well you know um, as, as evidenced by the 17 feet um, pythons that we keep pythons, yeah uh, and, and and the scary thing is is those are the ones that get the most attention you know that that's the, the story that the, everyone on the news wants to um, hear about you know the giant snakes and the danger and so forth and they are a, a significant problem but there are actually some things that are probably even worse than the pythons that most people or they don't get the attention to the, the cyclids or the cyclids the, the little goldfish cichlids, um, cichlids. yeah uh, I, I I would say as far as fish our biggest um, oh the lionfish there you go hit yes. it on the head yes yes the lionfish and oh I, they now sell them in uh, Publix have you seen lionfish in Publix wait they sell fish in grocery stores now yeah well yes this is a particularly um, it's an invasive now, I don't think you should people don't know what's going on right now but Duke apparently likes our guest come on come yeah on. he so far he's like thrown one of Duke's toys to him like three times and Duke has fetched it like 
that number of amount of times. Like I said, Duke is really hyperactive right now. Yeah, it's a puppy. Yeah, yes. yeah it's only six months old. Yes. Um, so these things, um, were they imported? Did they escape? They, they were part of the pet trade. They were brought over for ornamental fish in aquariums. Okay, so somebody just threw them out in the ocean and it turns out that there's they're like no predators and they just have a party and reproduce and now they're all over the place. So somebody decided that they're good to eat, right? They are yep. good to eat. So now we're going to have lionfish for dinner one day. I've um, eaten it and I have to say it's a it's very, very tasty fish. Good. So we should we should have lionfish one of these days. Not I know you don't. A, I know you don't like fish. I'm not much of a favor of eating sea life. You can watch us eat lionfish. We should we should do that. And we should probably encourage people to absolutely to buy it. Right. Yeah. I I I would envision someday maybe having a exotic animal themed restaurant here in South Florida, you know, with a high-end chef that could create some really kind of uh, interesting dishes and... Uh, Pythons probably taste like chicken too. Python, I would imagine, is very tasty. <laughs> I've never eaten python. I've had rattlesnake and actually it was also very tasty. Uh, uh, who cool. exactly would ever think of eating a snake? Depends how hungry you are. Um, no, remember that scene from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom when they were serving all that food? food in the palace and mm -hmm. like one of the entrees had to be like a gigantic like I don't know what kind of a snake it was a python or a, okay yeah it was definitely your, a python and, and they, they open up the inside and what was in there live snakes moving around uh, it's probably a pregnant snake and then anyway. just all of a sudden they just start no, they're eating not, the snakes they don't get pregnant right they're they're oviparous they no they're they're live birth uh, snakes um, some rattlesnakes give live birth um, and some pythons to give live birth. Uh, so they're, they're egg layers and they're live birth. Um, and um, the, the proper terminology would be instead of pregnant, they're gravid. Okay, gravid. yes, and they have clutches. Clutches. Yes, yes. yes. See, when the, one day um, YouTube decided that I needed to learn about snakes and it just fed me one video after the other of people doing crazy things with snakes and um, there was like the segment of people that like them because they're nice. There's the segment of people that like to feed them live things and watch them. And those, I think, have certain amount of psychiatric <laughs> pathology. And then there's the ones that the more venomous the snake, the happier they are, yep. which I think that they have a death wish, but that's a different story. And then YouTube started feeding me um, spider videos and that's a whole separate community yes it that was interesting too yes I, I didn't know that they would mail them to you certain things yes you can you can actually well the spiders though the, these people apparently buy them off of ebay yes you you can that you can purchase and i i know i know stores that yeah you can <laughs> can get just about it and that's part of the problem here in south florida because of our you know, nice climate, the yeah, temperature and the humidity. They don't freeze in winter. They don't freeze, and you know, most of them, you know, they come from South and Central America or Asia or Africa. Mm -hmm. They do very well when they arrive here. So, um, yeah, it's like a whole buffet for them. Yeah, you know, it's it's perfect. It's just like a new home. So, uh, but um, so different yeah. subject. How does uh, now? Yeah, hole in the wall. How long? No, when did you? Hole in the wall. I mean, how long has he been a regular at Hole in the Wall? I don't like, care about that. Why not? I mean, that's how we know each other. We're good. regulars over there. Good and for we you. See I each think other. that there's more interesting things to ask Mike. Um, Santi told me that you're a musician. Yeah, I wanted to get to that. He is okay, a musician, and uh, he's in a, his own band, uh, and uh, he's got a. Um, I think it's like I don't want to exaggerate, but not a massive uh, bass collection, but. Uh, I have about 10, 10 basses and a, and a couple of regular guitars as well, yeah. So, I don't know, you've probably been told that Santi's now playing guitar, um, which is, it's, it's really nice, I'm, I'm really happy with him, because um, we had tried two or three times before, um, Santi had a bad experience in, probably across the street, um, grade school, 
where they tried to teach him to read music and apparently it was fairly traumatic. Mm -hmm. So whenever we tried to have somebody teach him an instrument and it happened with drums and it happened with guitar, as soon as the teacher said notes, he would just shut down like a clamp. And um, what was it, three months ago? Uh, two and a half, uh, three months ago, I ran into an ad for somebody selling a guitar and it's like, okay, we'll, we'll try again. And he figured out some sort of system. What, what kind of system is it? Uh, fret positions. Okay. And apparently it doesn't involve notes and we're all very happy. Um, and recently I had the crazy idea, and this is going to be the question, that bass might be easier to start the journey than the full... Um, he, he has a little bit of... Um, what? Fine motor skills are, are harder, so I don't know if the if the okay the that part and the picking on this side might be easier. Um, yeah, I mean they they more or less are the same instrument. Most people mm -hmm. don't realize the same notes, same strings. There's on a standard bass, there's two less strings. They they don't have the the higher pitched E and the and the higher pitched B string. Um, but there's many different. Uh, Types of basses and guitars and different tunings and, and combinations and uh, there's some validity to what you say about uh, less fine motor skills are needed for bass. Um, it's a different skill set and and, and uh, you know even though they the notes are the same more or less you know uh, it's it's it is a more physical instrument you know you you have to have a stronger hand to play bass and um, some some bass players uh, play finger style. I prefer to play with a pick, a plectrum, which you know has its benefits mm -hmm. and its deficits. But uh, you know, I I've chosen that as my form. And do do people switch from one to the other style, or are there people that do sure. the finger picking and the picking? And and I do that too. You know, there's many different techniques with bass. The other thing that that attracted to me to bass guitar. Is that you? You get to play uh, a wider range of music, and and let me explain, because you know a guitar is more of a melodic instrument. Um, bass can be melodic, but it can also be very rhythmic. So you can have a percussive style attack to a bass, and it just it has many more ways to express yourself than a guitar, in my personal opinion. So I, I, I started with a, a standard guitar and I also wasn't a big fan of learning the notes and such, but my father made me a deal that uh, if I stuck with the lessons for one year, that he would purchase an electric guitar and amplifier. Oh, so you started with acoustic first? Acoustic guitar. Okay. And I really did not want to play acoustic guitar, I wanted to rock and roll, you know. <laughs> So I, I had the motivation, and uh, I suffered through. I actually was able to read sight read at, at, by the end of the year. I mean, I I wish I had kept up with it. Um, honestly, um, is it is it necessary? Not necessary. Okay. Depending on your your aspirations. Well, yeah. I mean, if you want to be a concert guitarist, I, I guess you should. But just for a hobby, like just for a hobby, no. Um, you know, a studio. A guitarist or a musician is going to need to read charts and, mm -hmm. and music, but you know if you just want to have fun or even play in a local band, the majority of musicians that I play with don't read. You know they they just uh, play by ear, and um, you can become quite proficient without being able to read. So hey, lucky you. What? What? So what am I lucky about? You don't need to learn how to sight read notes. Of course not. I'm not actually thinking of pursuing a career. As a musician, okay. I just like to screw around and like you know it's it's a cool instrument, and rock and roll is like a really great genre to like uh, be interested in. Do you compose also or? Cool. Yeah, yeah he has a band. Well, well you, you can have a band that not compose. Absolutely. In fact, the band that I currently play with, we only play cover music, mm -hmm. so I don't write with them. Um, I've worked with other bands, and um, you know I'm I'm still trying to get some musicians together to uh, 
um, work on some original. In fact, uh, last weekend we, we rented a rehearsal studio and I brought some of my songs and we started to go to learn them and um, it, it's quite rewarding, you know, it's, a, you know, playing other people's music, you know, you can, you can actually make money, you know, and that's, that's mm -hmm. what we do. We play at different bars and locations from Broward to the Keys and, and we, we make a little extra money on the side and have fun. But uh, for me, it's it's very enjoyable to create and you know have something that you formed and and and, and could be proud of. So. Do you have music um, on I don't know where Spotify or what? Do you publish your own music? I I have some um, recordings and I've done a lot of studio you know work with mm -hmm. over the many many years. Um, that yeah, I, I could I could definitely. I don't sell it. I, you know, I haven't really. No, but if any of our listeners wants to find <laughs> out what you do, um, do they just look look you up online or? Yeah, you, you can look me up online. I'm happy to direct you uh, to the places that you could uh, acquire this, and um, if that's what you like. Uh, but you know, I, I'm I do it like Sandy said as a, as a hobby. You know, I have yeah, my profession, and, and and I don't really have much aspiration to become no you know. but it's always nice to have a creative outlet i mean I'm a, i'm a doctor and my thing was or is photography um i, uh, I, I did i i'm a photographer as oh well. cool yeah. now we're gonna have to talk about photography sure that's all right i mean if it involves taking snapshots of like what stuff in the wild well you're probably a wildlife photographer right yeah. that gets expensive that gets very expensive um, yeah, the long lenses. Yes, um, you start dropping multiples of thousands in the. Yeah, and and because I'm not a a, a true professional or, or, or have it as a profession, you know, I have invested a lot, but I, I would at some point like to be able to uh, have a. I'm sorry. Louder, um, yeah. Just just bring him out and let him be yeah. sexy. I just I just don't want him to like run around. That's like, let him run around. Bite on the so furniture. So you're a Canon stuff. or a Nikon? Sorry. Nikon. Ah, good. Um, what the, the last one was the D5? That's the the fancy fancy. That's one, a, yeah. Right? That's I have a, a D750. Oh, okay. That's full frame, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you do like birds or what? What is, what's your thing? Birds, nature. I mean, I I, I go out most weekends, bird watching. But mm -hmm. I always bring my camera and like this weekend I found a bobcat. You know, oh, and cool. it was a very easygoing bobcat. It walked right by me. I got some beautiful shots of it. And, uh, nice. Um, let me ask you something. I used to go to Wakoda. Kodahatchee. Yes. That's where I went. What happened to it? I The last couple of times I've been there, there's like no birds. Did they just decide that they didn't want to come back? I think it's, it is partially seasonal, but um, I did notice the same thing when I was there. I, uh, I went maybe four or five years ago, and there was like birds nesting everywhere. I mean, you, you literally ran into them. It's like, move because I want to walk. And now there wasn't that many birds. I, I would have to agree, and I, I don't really have a good explanation. Um, I usually go there once or twice a year, and I also visit, um, which is right around the corner, if you've never been, is Green K. Yeah, that's, yeah. I've, I've been there. I didn't have that much luck when I went to Green K. It was like longer walks. and It's a little nicer. Mm -hmm. It's a little better run, a little, you know, more parking, and... Um, I, I, I enjoy both, and they're so close that if you're going yeah, to you one, might as well go to the, the, other, the other. And I, I threw in Loxahatchee when I was up there on, on, on Saturday, yeah, Saturday, because um, that's also within 20 minute ride. There's another park in Homestead that I had some good luck with. Oh, I don't remember the name of it. Ah, it has a boardwalk again. There's a bunch of Aningas that they're just sitting there looking at you, like, okay, take my picture and. Um, that, that was a part of the Everglades or the national park. I don't. I think so. Because yeah, the there's main... there's a bunch of um, buitres. How do you call them? Vultures. Vultures that they they just like to poop on, on on people's cars and peck at them. 
Uh, and they have a, the tarps that you can yes, put over. Yes, yes. Uh, now I know exactly where you're talking Yes, about. I don't remember the name of it, but yes, my, my car still has reminders of some of those vultures. Yeah, they can be Which quite car? destructive. The, the gray van. Hmm. It's because you got three of them. Yes, I do. Your mom is not happy about that. Um, <laughs> I got a BW bug and uh, an 83 Cabriolet. That's, that needs a little bit of work, so yeah. Um, do you you do um, street photography or do you like just uh, nature? I, I I dabble here and there, you know. Especially when I'm traveling, I you know I'll I like to take pictures of historical sites or uh, beautiful buildings, architecture. Okay, so architectural. Yeah. Oh, hey, that cool. almost sounds like you're the same. Okay, you're the. Probably the third person that I, that has that that rank. Yes. I should have had it on mute, but well, let me, let me put mine out. I have exactly the same one. <laughs> um, how did you arrive to that ringtone? Because not many people have it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not hard to imagine. You know, once I heard the duck, and you know, I, I enjoy uh, bird watching. It was just a natural. Because I I ended up on, on through a different path, which was. Everybody has the the, the, the same ringtone, uh, the, the, the standard. The, the standard. So when you were in the hospital and the phone rang, everybody started like, "Is it me? I'm the only idiot with the duck." So if it's the duck, it's me. It's you, or now me. Yeah, well, now you. Yeah. So, um, but okay. So um, photographer, um, musician. Uh, what else we have to talk about? He travels a lot. Oh, cool. Yeah, well, not during COVID, uh, no, of course not. but uh, prior to that, I, I had um, really found a lot of enjoyment out of traveling and um, did it as much as possible um, and looking forward to getting back on the road again. You know, I I didn't stop traveling. I just, I didn't, you know, wasn't able to get on planes, so I did a lot of car trips okay. over the past year and a half, two years, so um, I just came back from... Central Florida. I went to Tampa, Gainesville, and Orlando, and did a lot of nature stuff out there. I, I did some Disney things too, and you know, Disney visited things? some friends. Yeah, yeah. Central Florida. It's the fiftieth uh, birthday celebration. Yeah, Disney. it was last month on October first. Yep. The whole month they celebrated it though. So. Like, which places were you going to ask? Like, which has he visited? Like, no, he I was going to go back to your... your um, what? Animal education thing. So, were you... Did you actually go to school to do biology? Or do you, like, self-taught? Um, well, I started... You know, I got accepted to the University of Miami as an undergrad... And my father's a physician as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a, he's a nephrologist, uh, or was uh, retired now. Uh, he really wanted me to be a doctor as well. Well, yeah, but so he pushed me very hard <laughs> into biology. And oh, so you ended up on the prima track or something like I that. I started on the prima track. I did about two years there and was just not happy. You know, I really, um, you know, it's a major commitment. You know. Yeah, actually, let's let's take a little side there what do you think of the way that well, physicians get trained in the United States let me tell you what I mean in Mexico you finish high school and you go to medical school so the guy that doesn't like medical school figures that out within three weeks of finishing high school here you have to kill yourself in undergrad, ace the whatever exam it is, the MCAT, I guess, and by that time you owe a ton of money and you make it to medical school. So whomever makes it to medical school, they have so much invested in it that it's really hard to say, I don't like this. It's a good point, and I really never thought of it that way. Um... I, I imagine even if you didn't end up, you know, pursuing a career in medicine, there are other options having, you know, uh, the, I guess biology might be one of the, the common majors that someone would select if they're, you know, going pre-med. Uh, 
So I, I don't think, you know, it's a waste or... No, no, away. it's not a waste. It, but it's just a really long time and a lot of work to find out that you don't like what you were thinking that you were going to like. I agree, and, and I think that's a, something that's becoming true in, in modern day society. It's, it's, you know, gone are the days where you selected a career path and you worked in that career until your retirement and that was it. Most people have significant change in direction throughout their life and I think um, it's a reality that we all have to kind of come to that, you know, you, you may not be working in the, the doing whatever you started what it, whatever you started or studied in school and I'm a prime example so I started to tell you you know I was pushed in this direction and at some point I had a change of heart and another thing I hadn't talked much about is is I had a lot of talent drawing and painting oh, I was cool. I was I was a, a kind of an artist especially when I was younger in uh, in the high school I had won some awards for my stuff so I thought, you know, I tried to be practical. I was like, well, Dad, you know, I, I could become a graphic designer. They make decent salary, you know. And that uh, was way when um, cut and paste literally meant cut and paste. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's something you and I also have in common. I used to like, I was really fascinated with art too when I was like much younger. I mean, I would always like sketch whatever I could think of, you know, from my memory or from what I saw around me or whatever I saw on TV or film. And then painting too. Well, I came later on, but then I started, I was like kind of caught discouraged or dissatisfied like in middle or high school when I saw like everybody else's works. Yeah, I never me. understood why, but I'm, I'm still hoping that you'll go back to, to drawing and painting. Yeah, I mean, it could happen someday. The dog is eating something, right? No, no, he's just uh, chewing on one of his chew toys. Oh, okay. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, what kind of uh, painting did you did you do, or do you do? Do you still do it? Well, I kind of fallen out of it. Um, COVID has given me spare time, ample time. And, yes, to to get back, and um, I actually did a couple of pieces for my coworkers who had done favors for me. Mm -hmm. It was just a way of thanking them for their 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 kind, you know, uh, gestures. So I did a pencil drawing of a owl my my boss dr capsalis she uh loves owls and uh i drew her a, a barn owl and uh, my other boss uh she has two great danes and i did a pencil drawing of the great danes and and it, it was nice to to get back, to get and, back to and, it to, to drawing and um, it's, it's, is it like riding a bicycle never kind of forget it you yeah. just picked it up right yeah there's there's uh just a you know jump right back in and, and you know and it, it is rewarding it's very time consuming that's that's another thing you know uh to be an artist you really um need to have the luxury of time to to pursue uh or or the patient to do it in in small fragments. increments yeah yes yeah. neither of which i'm good at but neither the same thing here well but that doesn't mean we shouldn't try well, I think that's I, I, one of the reasons why I like photography. I was never able to draw. I, I, I'm, I have like two left hands. Um, but the fact that I can take pictures and then print them or it, it's kind of a way of being a frustrated painter. But Absolutely. And, and the ideas of composition are still the same. And, you know, I, that's, you know, one of the ways I you know, get my fix of drawing and painting is, is through the composition and the editing of the pictures and so forth. And, and that's very enjoyable for me, but that it didn't turn out to be the type of career path that I had hoped it would, you know, I, I got a job as an apprentice in a graphic design firm mm -hmm. and it was just miserable. You know, it was deadline, deadline, you know. So did you actually um, go to school for graphic design? I got okay. my degree at UM in graphic design and illustration with a minor in English literature. <laughs> and it's, well, yeah, it's funny that um, that was one of those careers that just died. I mean, my, my father-in-law was um, a printer, um, or is, he, he worked for Reader's Digest, 
and that's one of the other careers that just went with it. I mean, I don't think you can find a an offset press now if you look really hard. Um, yeah, everyone has their own equipment at home. You know, why bother? Uh, you know, I mean, there's there's still a call for that. I, I I imagine, but you're right. It's it's one of those careers that are kind of disappearing, and uh, you know, even graphic designers. E this still is a place for them because you know. Uh, well, well, yeah, but I'm not entirely sure that if you give them pencils and and colors that they can do anything with them. I no. think that that they're all either, uh, I mean, Illustrator, Photoshop based, whatnot. Yeah, it's all computerized, and and yeah, the the concepts that I learned are probably just not even applicable anymore. Uh, but you know, it it seemed like something that could be a good career path. Um, I ended up disliking it, and um, I had been working at the museum in the wildlife center the whole time, and they were like, well, why don't you start working for us full-time, you know, since you, you're graduated, you know, and I just slowly became more involved, more Did hours. you write for them also, since you have an English major? Well, the English literature minor, it was a minor, okay. uh, uh, that was almost just a fluke, because I really enjoy reading a lot, so... I uh, I just I ended up taking so many English literature courses. <laughs> it's like, oh, you got a degree. They 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 basically <laughs> handed me that said, oh, you're you have a minor in English literature just because I like to read, and it wasn't so much for the writing, even though you have to write a lot when you take those classes. But um, no, I mean, I I did some writing. You know, we we also did a lot of field research at that time, and uh, I was put as a co-author for one of our papers. That was peer-reviewed and published, mm -hmm. and um, I did some writing at that point. What was the name of the paper? Uh, it was an insular study of reptiles and amphibians in the Florida Keys, I think was the title. And uh, it was published in a very nice, mm -hmm. re reputable book, and uh, I still have the copy that the publisher gave me when, when, when it was published. And that is really my only official writing credit. That's okay. But, uh, yeah, I am proud of it, and it was a good study. I participated in many more studies, mm -hmm. but that was the only one I got co-author credit on. And uh, I'm probably more proud of uh, some of the, the educational programs that I put together at the zoo because uh, they were um, purely mine and, and, and sprang from my, 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 my little brain, you know, so. <laughs> good, good. The, um do you do any educational stuff now at UM? We just do the quality control. No, I do a lot of education there too. Um, we we uh, do trainings for you know the new scientists as they're coming in on in, you know in compliance and animal welfare and empathy and and uh, you know it, it, it's it's um, it's something that I'm currently very involved with. My my position may be changing, but. Uh, uh, yeah, I, in fact, I did a, a Zoom training this afternoon for a new scientist who came from uh, Cornell who was studying um, spinal cord injury. So we had to kind of, uh, you know, give him, you know, the expectations at the University of Miami. So. Yeah, I, I guess if you heard how I went through medical school, your hair would stand on end. What kind of things we did in, in the lab at that time. This was... 1990s. Um, we worked with dogs. We did physiology lab with um, guinea pigs. It, it wasn't pretty. Yeah, my father um, told me and the stories as well, you know, of uh, school in, in Cuba, you know, and uh, all the types of. Uh, and, and even when I was a young kid, I would go to his lab at the VA. And he did uh, medical research on animals, and he had all kinds of animals there, you know. I remember we had a pharmacology lab where we had to find, ooh, the, the, the lethal dose 50. LD50, LD50 yeah. for pentobarbital. So you basically have to find out how much of the medicine will kill 50% of the little rats. And you had little white mice and the professor's rule was if you guys get bitten by the mice you get an F because the mice has a brain this big and you shouldn't 
get bitten by the mice and more than he gave more than one F. Um, you had to inject him intraperitoneally and yes. Anyway, um, what else do, do we need uh, to talk about? Well, actually, there's something I wanted to bring up. Like, being that Mike is like really passionate about music and how he has his band and like. I wanted to know, like, uh, how is it that you got involved in music in the first place? And, like, uh, what was it that turned you on? Like, uh, how do you see music from, like, today? And, like, like which is better? Like, the music that's being made now or how it was back then? You're talking, like, back then as if he comes from the Middle Ages. No, we're, I mean... We're not that old. No, I mean, growing up, he must have, like, listened to some of the classics that you probably hear on, like, 101.9, or whatever radio station that has oldies, or, like, or, like, uh, one-hit wonders. They weren't classics when we heard them. Yeah, and you'll, you'll, with age, you'll get a perspective, too, you know, when you have kids, you know, and, and they're listening to whatever they're listening to at the time, you're gonna say, oh, you know, if you only knew how... The let, classics were. Let, let me put it in perspective. You know now, now that Star Wars is like a, a an oldie classic. I, I went to see it in the movie theaters when it came out. I'm sure. Me too. Yes. First the first, first episode day. four. Yes. Yes. I was the, there. There wasn't any episodes. It was the only one. It was Star Wars. Yes. That's how old we are. I was I was ten years old yeah. at yeah, the yeah. time. You were eight. Yeah. Same thing. Well, the thing is, like, uh, because you said the first thing that turned you on to, like, music or rock and roll was, like, Rush, was it? Was Rush the first thing that... Does it smell like the dog took a Uh, excuse us for just a second, because... Yeah, just live in big. Well, I'm we'll, afraid the, the, we'll the find Duke must have, like, dropped a big one. We'll find it later. You're, I don't know about later, because... Your mom is going to be so happy with that set of news. But anyway, um, so you're a Rush fan? I do like Rush, and that was the first concert that I got a ticket to. My my father dropped me off and picked me up uh, at that show at the Hollywood Sportatorium um, many, many years ago. I wouldn't say that was the, my first band that I loved, you know, and, you know, my father, he really loves uh, classical music, so most of the time in the house we heard his music. But he, he also liked some popular and some jazz and um, but it was mostly through my friends that I still I started liking rock and roll you know uh, one friend in particular had an older sister who um, she um, turned me on to like uh, Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and Rolling Stones and you know the the classic mm -hmm. classic rock stuff and uh, that that's where I started to really appreciate that genre of music and um, because I was younger and my friends were involved, uh, you know, we messed around with the instruments and, you know, in high school, you know, me and another guitar player, we both played guitar, but since he was a little more advanced uh, skill-wise, he, he said, did you ever think of playing bass? And I was like, yeah, I could try that, you know, I think that would be fun. I immediately fell in love and, you know, and we were, uh, we rented a, a, a warehouse by the Tamiami Airport where we would rehearse and... Uh, oh, you put money into it. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we wanted to have a band, you know. Mm -hmm. We wanted to play. That was the, the goal, you know, was, was to, to get gigs and to perform. And, you know, we slowly set out to do that and, you know, it just progressed from there. And, uh, you know, I... I never really had aspiration or honest aspirations. I came close a couple of times. There was a few times, well, at least twice that I was offered uh, like contracts to, you know, record and perform, but they were once I talked to lawyers, they weren't really worthwhile investments. So once, you know, I realized that it wasn't going to be a, uh, you know, I wasn't going to hit it big and go on tour and, you know, I, I was content in just doing my my weekend gigs and uh, making a little money on the side, meeting people, having so some you've fun. you've been playing for 30 years. Yes. Cool. Yeah. And he's even, like, come across a lot of uh, famous uh, music personas. I've had some fortunate, I mean, you know, 
a lot of times these these major acts they want to have opening acts mm -hmm. you know so they contact people in the area to you know um, put in quality bands to open up for them and I've had the honor to open up for a lot of really big big musicians and play some big festivals and uh, you know it, it makes you feel good you know it, of it really it does it very, rewards you for the hard work that you've put into it yeah it, it really is and and to see like people that I you know like uh, we, we got to open up for Ace Fraley from Kiss you know or uh, Bruce Springsteen never Bruce Springsteen no sorry that would be nice no yeah um, we we did we did this '80s rock fest. That was the one that I think I was mentioning to you. I think you said you played with um, Vince Neil from Motley Crue. Yeah, Vince Neil. Who uh, was really fat at the time. Still is. He he yeah he has not held up well over the years. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the point is, you know, these are bands that I listened to and mm -hmm. admired, and you know, spent money on their albums and went to their concerts. Now I get to open up and perform. I think, I, think I remember what you, you telling me that you once played at the Super Bowl Forty One with Stevie Nicks. You got the story a little messed up, but uh, <laughs> I didn't actually perform music. I was asked by Parrot Jungle to bring animals for the Super Bowl. Okay. So yeah, we we brought a collection. I think of like fifteen, twenty parrots and mm -hmm. set up a display under a tent. Uh, and Stevie Nicks was playing there, and we also hosted. The Super Bowl uh, party at the Parrot Jungle facility. Let me ask you something. All the parrots that we have around here flying around, are they just the descendants of the Parrot Jungle escapees from from Andrew, or that's just a urban think, myth? I think it's more of an urban myth. I mean, it would be very hard to prove that it wasn't, but uh, I think most... Um, so are there other places in Florida that have, like, this just yeah what do you call it endemic populations endemic yeah um in fact uh, california has a similar situation mm -hmm. too with, with with parrots that have been mostly from the pet trade you know the majority oh, okay. are, are released animals you know that meet up and start reproducing and um spreading out you know i mean some of the species we have so many different species of parrots living here most people only no little green ones mm -hmm. or the big blue and yeah, yellow uh, ones, you know, but there, there are many, many different varieties. And, um, you know, they, they do have an impact on the native species. So even though they're very pretty and, you know, gives us a kind of a tropical mm -hmm. feel, they really don't belong here. And, and they, the, 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 the effects are still not really known mm -hmm. well what, how they're affecting the rest of the native animals, but they are pretty to look at. Yeah. <laughs> um, where was it? The cockatoos? Um, Toucans? No, I, I remember going to Parrot Jungle when I was a kid. So Me we, too. They brought us from Mexico. My parents, we came in, um, it was 1976, because I remember that it was the bicentennial. And we went to Parrot Jungle. And I remember that they put you with the parrots like this and... I was terrified because the things were. Who isn't terrified when they have like, uh, I don't know, pecking? No, like, it was the, the claws, the, claw, the nails. Not only yeah. that, they could also peck you with their beaks too. If, yeah, but that didn't. That was more worried. Remember that they hurt. I don't know. It was. Yeah. No. I we we had uh, contracted with Kodak. Actually, they ran the 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 parrot picture scenario, and they. Yeah. It did a very good job of training the birds not to bite, and and, and to Santi's point, uh, parrot can do a, a oh, yeah, lot yeah, of damage. I'm sure they can beat. they can walk so, out with your ear. So it, it is it is very tricky to train and have these birds able to be used in the ways as they were. Um, and you know the nails, you know we filed them and trimmed them, but yeah, they, I'm, they, I'm they, sure they, that they they, they, still, they were fairly I mean harmless, but um, it it stuck in my head and, and I mean I I don't remember many things from my childhood the nails of the parrots is, is pretty well seared in there yeah, how could you remember anything without any hair no yeah you know it, I, I got better ventilation without it <laughs> I wouldn't hmm. laugh too much about lack of hair because the, the genes it's in, it's your, family, yeah. in your family are going to come 
Not if I take care of it better than you did. Okay, well, time will tell. Ah, I guess maybe it will. Time will tell. Time will tell. So I just wanted to like also say. uh, I just well, I mean, let me just ask. I mean, being that's been like fifty minutes and thirty five seconds into this, uh, what have you thought of like uh, the podcast, like? That, that you've been on and like the, the setup and like the topics and like how the flowing of the conversation's gone. <laughs> well, it's a loose format, but uh, you know, I, I, I do feel comfortable and you know, it's, it's your father can, can move this uh, conversations along very nicely, which is helpful. He's a great talker. I don't know if I would go that far, but appreciate the compliment. This is your first time being on somebody's podcast, is it? No, I'm sure not. Uh, and uh, how could you tell? Do you read minds? Well, podcast is, is more of a relatively newer thing. So when when I was, part of my jobs was always to do media, you know. So I was on TV mm-hmm. all the time. I worked with some of the um, most notable Wildlife personalities, you know, Jack Hanna. Steve Irwin? I did not work with Steve Irwin. I can name, like, Marlon Perkins or the Kratt Brothers or, like, Bear Grylls. Like, anybody who's, like, a big wildlife persona. In the wildlife environment, what's the actual perception of Steve Irwin? Oh, he's he's revered. uh, Okay. I mean, he, he... he was a he's a legend, Dad. He was, well, he, yeah, but but some of them have, you know, the perception and, and the reality. Mm. He, he was equal. He was the real deal. The real deal. The real deal. Super um, enthusiastic. He very. Could, um, yeah, he could knowledgeable t- as well, and 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 daring, you know, which is not a good thing. I was you know, say, yeah. I I think that in some cases there's there was a disservice because. You know, you could you could potentially have a somebody trying to emulate you get in a lot of yeah, and end up with a bad outcome. Well, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. Is the death the irony of his death being like the crocodile man for like years? He got killed by getting stabbed in the heart by a stingray while uh, exploring in the Great Barrier Reef. That was pretty bad luck. Yeah, and when everybody heard about that. I mean, we were all heartbroken because we grew up watching the Crocodile Hunter with the Wiggles. Jack Cousteau is the one that's apparently now getting a bad rap recently. I've heard some things, you know, and I I, I really was disappointed because I, I was one of the we, we grew one up of my with heroes Jack, for with Jack sure. Yeah. Well, I also grew up with the Crap Brothers because they had that show on PBS Kids, Zaboomafoo. You know, the talking lemur. Oh, it's actually their name, they're Krat Brothers? Krat! K-R-A-T-T, Chris and Martin Krat. Oh, okay. I mean, I I would always watch their show whenever it came up. I remember Sabumafu. I mean, they were also, they were really great with, like, explaining, like, wildlife and nature to kids. Yeah, and I have to say I've met some that were just horrible people in person. That's what what I was wondering, how, how much the actual... Personality, TV personality, and the real life person match because frequently, frequently it doesn't. But you never met Marlon Perkins. Did not. I met uh, Jim Fowler, who was his. He was his, his assistant on Wild fact, Kingdom. Yeah, when okay. when Marlon was talking about Jim was gonna be wrestling with this giant <laughs> python, it was Jim who was <laughs> doing it, and and Marlon was just kind of narrating, narrating it. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, I, I've had a lot of fortunate, uh, you know, chances to meet some of the, some of these, uh, you know, uh, well-known TV personalities. And like I said, I, not that I've done a lot of podcasts, but I've been on, you know... Radio. You've been on radio. I've been on radio. I've been on TV. Uh, I mean, uh, many, many, many times. So I, I don't have a... He's not shy about it. I'm not shy about it. Mm. Yeah, I take it like you still haven't met Bear Grylls yet, have you? I have not met Bear Who? Grylls. Bear Grylls, you know, the British wildlife expert guy who's like, he's on that Survivalist, kind of like. Yeah, he, he drank his own piss like oh. in the middle of the Atlantic. Wait, which ocean did he like? 
I don't know. I I, I have not met him. So yeah, I but you've seen him like do like. What do you think of his survival uh, method or tactics? No, you don't. Well, you know, he, he's not really, even though he knows about wildlife and nature and has to be kind of a naturalist, his his thing is survival. And, and for me, it's, it's not as interesting to me. Than, but the other thing is how much survival do you actually do when there's four cameramen there next to you? Yeah. Um, and you have... And a, they're looking at your your penis and balls. Well, what they're looking at. Uh, we're probably gonna have to beep that. But I don't even know if they're camera. You know, if Bear's not camera shy. But anyway, so yeah, that that's a whole different industry. Yes. Yeah, and yeah. now I can't even like. It's crazy that now Gordon Ramsay is on National Geographic, going around the the angry British chef. Oh, he's a naturalist now. Going around the I world. Think does like similar survival kind of stuff yeah right? only this time he's going around the world to like be culinary like different countries and like how they cook their like what's their like most popular like uh, common entrees or dishes and like oh, okay. experimenting in the cooking process and then yeah you know, it's like the same thing like anthony bourdain did but he, is a, he ate tarantulas right and one of them i remember that one so yeah i think now he's on the same level like uh, level as bourdain was when he was around okay you know but i don't think he would do anything like eat a tarantula or a snake or something they eat them in a bunch of places you don't remember this Santi, what do i remember when we were young mm -hmm. instead of climate change the actual fear was overpopulation and how there wasn't going to be enough food to feed everybody and they were a bunch of people that were working on using insects as a source of protein. Mm. Do you remember the movie Snowpiercer? Yes, I do. R Wait a minute. They were actually thinking about making protein bars. Out of bugs. Yeah, yes. I saw that part that, in the movie. That, like, I almost barfed at that scene. That was actually a thing. That, I don't it, even it know. Still it's still a thing. How I'm do sure people, it's still people a thing. don't know that they're eating insects like out of like gel? I, that was jello or like. And to surprise you even more. What? They actually taste good. Wow, it's like you were a part Indian too, Dad. No, and Mexican. From, from, from India. It's, not it's a. It's a delicacy in Mexico. You can have grasshoppers with um, lemon and chili powder, or you mm -hmm. can have them fried and dipped in chocolate. Okay, now anybody who would listen to this afterward, I think like, they're probably eating in the middle, like, in the middle of eating, like suddenly they would go, like, now come on, man, I'm eating a burrito right now. I'm eating Thai food. There's actually escamoles, which are, it's ant eggs. Oh, God. Okay, yes. no, please, you're just, now you're just going to make me lose my appetite. It's a, it's a very good protein source. <laughs> and, uh, okay, Mike, I don't even know where you get off. Like, I don't even know how you have, like, the guts to, like, digest, like, that are not, the, like, cow or, like, uh, elk or, like, moose or, like, I fish. don't know what we're talking about now. I yeah. mean, that's disgusting. It's disgusting. How other people would even think about eating the insides of like non-protein uh, uh, animal, you know, like cows or like, you know what I'm talking about. You gotta no. know what I'm talking about. No, but that's okay. Where did God ever put the idea of like we have to eat ant or centipede turd? Again, it depends how hungry you are. I wouldn't even like, if I was like in the wilderness... And I was trying to survive. I would not even think about eating a live worm. I don't think you can say that. I couldn't even like saying, pretend it's a gummy worm. Pretend it's a gummy worm. I don't think you've been hungry enough. I yeah. think I'd rather go for the poisonous berries rather than just like, then, or I'd rather eat the dirt and the grass and the bark okay. than like dig into like centipede, like millipede legs. Okay. Yuck. I, I'm sure bear grills. Or Anthony Bourdain, wherever he is. I don't even know where he got those ideas, but I'm pretty sure his parents didn't raise him well. I'm sure they did. He, he actually went around and ate what the people locally ate. And then he hung himself in his Paris hotel room. 
Well, that's a different story. Maybe he finally caught up. I think that this is a good time. Um, Wait, there's just one thing that I wanted to get to. Like, Mike, you're 54 years old, right? I know. It's something that people like, okay, at middle age, you know what Mike likes to do? And, like, he is a huge fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Good for him. Yeah, I mean, like, you have the Disney Plus app, right? And, like, you see, like... All the new Marvel streaming shows, WandaVision, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Loki, What If, like, uh, but that, and the movies, the from Iron Man to the Avengers, Captain America, the Thor, all the way. So, does that mean you have been, like, a comic book fan since, like... Yeah, when I was a kid, that was one of the things, you know... Oh, that's... You like graphic novels? And my, my, well, not so much anymore, but... When, no, no, but you did back then. Oh, right? yeah, yeah. It was a treat, too, because my father really discouraged us from reading them, though he thought it was a waste of time. And, and it was only when I would go to visit my relatives, they would take us to 7-Eleven. We'd get to get snacks, like we'd get a Slurpee. My father would never buy me a Slurpee, <laughs> and we would be able to buy comics. So that's how I started reading the Marvel Universe and, you know, DC and... And, uh, you know, it was only natural that they played on to those fond memories of people our age, you know, and, and made a lot of money doing that. Yes, so. I think that the psychology of it did, turned out well. And when it comes to, like, um, when you start growing, like, when you're getting older and, like, then all of a sudden you have a habit of, like, collecting comic books, well, and then putting them on display, and yet, well, like, well, I met Kevin do. Smith I met Kevin Smith earlier, like, this year, and, like, he is, like, a gigantic nerd. He has his own comic book shop, his own, like, comic book website. Like, he, like, has a podcast where he talks about nothing but comic books and superheroes and, like, uh, well, science fiction. He's also into Star Wars, too, like you, Mike. I think he's got some psychiatric issues that need to get sorted out. Well, I was... He's a a middle-aged nerd at heart, and... If he wants to be like that, okay, I'm not going to judge him. I mean, he has his daughter named after, like, Harley Quinn from the Batman universe. Good for him. And he's got all those bobbleheads, like, from Star Wars to Star Trek. So what are you trying to tell us? Mike's a middle-aged, somewhat nerd, I I, think. I I would say that I have some nerdish qualities, but, uh, you know. When it's coming to, like... uh, comic book adaptations like what do you what's your opinion on them i mean like like how martin scorsese criticized like marvel for now just like uh destroying the tradition of like film like huh like mar like he said that the marvel movies are just like amusement park rides like they're just using them to like turn into amusement park rides and like he's not wrong about that no, well, I think there's space for, you know, your artistic movies and, and you know, you're just gratuitous, yes. fun, you know, you know. So, what I, this is my humble opinion. Go ahead. So, at some point in time, when once they figured out that if they made superhero movies that they would sell, they just started churning them out. And as you make more quicker the quality of the story just plummets yeah sometimes they're not really faithful to the original source of the adaptation when it comes well, to but the other thing is they run out of originals well that's the okay hard. this is not the exact example but so they did game of thrones and game of thrones went really well until they ran out of book and at that point it became obvious that the guys at HBO were not nearly as good as the guy that wrote it. Yeah, I mean, all it was, and I think, like, once they started to, like, run out of ideas, I think, like, let's just have more uh, sex and dragons. That actually went the other way. There was more sex in the at the beginning of the books, because it's in the books. Yeah, incest, mostly. All sorts of things, but anyway. Okay, I think it's time to wrap this up because we've been tormenting Mike for about an hour. Have we been tormenting you? It's been very nice. I, I thank you for inviting me. Well, I just want to nope. say, Mike, I'm thank you very much for taking the time and having the patience to like uh, put up through all this and stuff. 
Yeah. Um, do you want to plug your music? You want to let guys know? You want to give you, like younglings you, our age, like who are listening to Billie to Eilish or Drake or Six Serve Anonymity, whatever you choose. Is Tell them which there. is better to listen to on Spotify and why, and like, uh, yeah, anything uh, but Billie Eilish and Selena Gomez and Ariana. How about I do a gratuitous plug for my band, uh, The Loose Cannons? Uh, we will be playing starting. November 26th is our first date back, and we usually play through April, and then the, the husband and wife, they go, they do Renaissance festivals from April to November up north, so we will be playing in the South Florida area, look out for loose cannons at a bar near you, and Perfect. please we, come out and, and We enjoy. will be there and support you. Okay. Well, I mean, if, if. If what? We're not busy on those days. No, we will We will make time to go support Mike. <laughs> okay. I'd be okay. glad to do that for him. There you go. Okay. And, like, if I could say, people, stop listening to Ariana and Billy and listen to Rush, Black Sabbath, uh, Kiss, or Credence. Why don't you let them decide what to listen to? Leonard Skinner or the Beatles or Stones. Okay. They're actually... Way more better than what you're listening to. And to the old people in the retirement homes, yes, Jerry Vale, Sinatra, Bobby Darren. Okay, enough with the list. This has been the 53rd episode of the Doc and Son podcast. With Mike Press, who's been very nice to us. And Duke and, the Dog, who was really jumpy and like playful throughout the entire thing. And we pretty sure he took a major dump Somewhere in the house, which we're going to check out right now. We're going to have to go find. Okay. Yeah. So, like, if you feel like, Mike, if you feel like you want to come back anytime, if you'd like to. You'll be very happy if you come back one of these days. Okay. Thank, thank you. you so much, Mike. So, yeah, thank, thank you. you very much, everybody, and have a good rest of your night. Thank you, and goodbye.